the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This podcast brought to you by the Weekly Standard Cruise. Cruising the Mediterranean October 9th through the 20th with all of your Weekly Standard favorites, including Stephen Hayes, Bill Crystal, and Fred Barnes. For more information, visit TWSCruise.com. That's the Weekly Standard, TWSCruise.com. Now let's welcome our good friend, Bill Crystal. Bill, so glad to have you. Thanks so much for your time. Hey, Michael. How are you? I'm doing great. <clears throat> so anyway... Moving on. Look, I know that uh, you don't want to talk about the Zimmerman case, and there's a gazillion commentaries about it. I saw you on with Fox News last night, and there's a lot to talk about. I want to ask you about a broader issue before we get to what happened in the Senate today, and that is President Obama's uh, record on race relations. I happen to be one of those Republicans who thought that, regardless of policy, that we would see forward movement in America when it comes to healing the racial divide. Where do you think we are today? You know, I don't know. I, I was one of those conservatives who didn't think conservatives were being entirely fair when they sort of said, well, President Obama is going to make things worse. I didn't see why that should happen. But I also don't think that, you know, I think we've been through enough in this country in different ways that having one person in one job of a certain race or ethnicity or gender often doesn't change these deeper problems. I guess what I'm struck by in this is I think actual day-to-day race relations in America are really okay. I mean, they could be better. But given our complicated history, uh, they could be a heck of a lot worse and have been a heck of a lot worse. And I think most Americans go to work and they're in mixed race environments and mixed ethnicity environments and people get along. And some of your closer friends are usually, you know, your close friends usually maybe have more in common with you. And therefore, people of different races and ethnicities and religions cluster together, but not in a way that's invidious. The degree to which the media elites and some other, really the media elites, I would say more than anyone else, uh, should be to have an interest in, um, in, in, in heightening tensions, in increasing right. problems, in focusing like, uh, in, in a crazy way, really, on racial problems rather than just reporting stuff in a matter-of-fact way. I guess that's what struck me the most in reading about the Zimmerman trial. It is perfectly clear the country is not up in arms about it. It's perfectly, you know, Washington right. is a half-black city. I'm walking around Washington. People are going about their business. They, you know, if you're black, maybe you feel a little more intently the injustice of this young man being killed and 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 Zimmerman being let off if you're white you might be more inclined to think well hey it was a fair trial the guy probably was acting in self-defense but no one's glowering at each other on the streets of washington dc that i can see and so the media though desperately wants to make everything into a racial confrontation you know i also think about how that applies to public policy because for example on the issue of immigration which is now moving towards the house the entire conversation is what are we going to do about race-based vote casting? It had nothing to do with what are we going to do about the problem that not controlling your own borders can create security issues or financial issues. It's all what will voters who look a certain way do and how will they treat the Republican Party based on that? No, absolutely. And it's, I mean, there are many immigrants from many places that aren't, incidentally, many immigrants who aren't Hispanic and, and, and many Hispanics who aren't immigrants or are, certainly aren't illegal immigrants. So. The whole thing has been totally distorted. I agree. Immigration is a complicated public policy issue. Uh, we can have debates. Should there be 10 million immigrants over the next decade or 30 million? What should we do about those who are already here? But again, the media desperately want this to be, and I think Democratic politicians, honestly, who are playing identity politics, want this to be about race, ethnicity, and some on the right fall into this trap, too. But mm-hmm. the degree to which identity politics has become part of uh, Democratic Party, the Democratic Party's agenda, really, I mean, to foster that, to foster those sentiments. And then the degree to which thinking about things through identity 
has become key to the universities, to the media, um, to other parts of, 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 of elite liberalism is really striking. I often, one often dismisses this as harmless idiocy. You read, pick up some textbook and it's all about race, class, gender. Right. You think, God, it's too bad that the wire publisher is wasting uh, money and print on this. It's too bad that kids are going to get assigned this in some stupid class somewhere. But it has a real effect. You know, mm-hmm. and you really, the drumbeat, I think, does have an effect on the country, unfortunately. And uh, the good news is I think most of the country is sensible enough to kind of shrug it off. Do you think that policy can overcome this? You know, that's one of the arguments that uh, that uh, Senator Rand Paul makes, is that he thinks that the way to fight forward is to go with a kind of small you know, government libertarian view that's going to attract young people separate from other race, you know, all the race, gender nonsense that gets shoved into their heads, that they'll see, ah, you're going to let me have my pot. You're going to, you know, stop sending me off to war. You're going to become the party of young people, Republicans. Well, I think policy is important. And look, it's where politicians control most of all. So they look pretty foolish when they try to shape broader cultural forces. But I would disagree with Rand Paul, which policies are good for the country and therefore which policies young people will eventually come to embrace. I mean, young people are not immune from learning lessons from reality. And if they look up and see that they have massive student debts and very little prospects of getting good jobs, that the whole uh, um, uh, economic mobility and social opportunity is drying up, they're going to rebel against the the status quo. So I'm, I'm actually hopeful about young people. I think the Obama thing will look, historians will look back on it as kind of a, uh, maybe a one-off or two-off, two elections, you know, where there was a certain entrancement and, and Bush, and they were tired of all that. And it was a little bit of a echo of the 60s. But just mm-hmm. as the 60s, the generation that is now 70 years old and is voting more than any other group in the electorate, Republican and conservative, is, of course, the generation that in their 20s was allegedly revolutionary and going to change right. going to change America. So these people do change. People learn. The key for conservatives is I come back to this phrase like you and I discussed this before. My father, you know, famously said that a neoconservative is a liberal who is mugged by reality. Right. And a friend of my father's named Mike Scully, looking at all these liberals who kind of knew things weren't going well in the 70s and early 80s, but didn't want to become conservatives, said, well, a neoliberal, that was a phrase at the time, a neoliberal is a liberal who's been mugged by reality and refuses to press charges. <laughs> and I've always thought that was really a deep insight, right. I mean, as well as being a witty one, which is there are a lot of people who sort of know that Obamacare is not working. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the media tell you that if you're a nice person, you want to cover everyone, and, and the insurance companies are bad, and the Republicans are heartless. You do need to give people an alternative. It's not enough to discredit the the, the liberal status quo. Mm-hmm. You do need to give them positive conservative policies. In that respect, I agree with Rand Paul. I don't agree, I think, on what a lot of those policies might be. Sure. But you do need to have the positive, forward-looking uh, reform agenda. Now let's go very backwards looking to an old word, an old notion of filibuster. Uh, we're getting reports as we, you and I speak that there's been a possible deal, a tentative deal. Uh, is, do you know anything about it? No, I, I mean, I have seen the same reports, but I have mm-hmm. no inside dope on it and don't know if there's, uh, I don't know how to judge it, mm-hmm. therefore. Yeah. But do we, do Republicans want a deal? <laughs> Why not simply stand by? The rules worked fine when we were in the majority. The rules work fine now. We're sticking with the rules. Right, and then let Harry Reid exercise the nuclear option and let the Mm -hmm. Democrats be the party that will, A, let Republicans react by refusing to pass anything through the Senate for quite a while, except, you know, stuff to keep the government open, and shutting down the whole uh, Obama administration agenda. And B, uh, let the Democrats explain to the country why they had Mm -hmm. to change the Senate rules in a totally unprecedented way, with 51 votes instead of 67 votes to change the rules. 
to jam through a couple of union people to, to stack the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, and to jam through a favorite of the left to run this, I think, unconstitutional and very badly set up and dangerous consu- alleged consumer protection board, um, which the Republicans have very legitimate complaints about and, and worries about. So I, I agree. I think it's a good debate going forward. But as sometimes happens with our friends, the Republicans, they may have decided to <laughs> snatch uh, partial no. defeat out of the jaws of partial victory. But that may be unfair. I haven't seen the details. But Not, not when you've got a steeled spine leader like John McCain. John McCain always stands by his principles. You know that, Bill Crystal. They want. They all want to get along, and they don't want to have a <laughs> You know what I was thinking about this morning? Maybe I'll write this to the editorial this week. I think the House Republicans are doing better. I, I think the House Republicans, who everyone dumps on from every side, right. the establishment thinks they're a bunch of the Anatols, but conservatives think they're a bunch of, you know, banners or worse, that uh, they're disorganized, they're not good at messaging. The truth is the House Republicans look to me like they have a reasonable shot of killing immigration and really standing on principle there. They're doing a good job on Obamacare. They're going to introduce the individual mandate repeal tomorrow and make the Democrats cast a very difficult vote. And I think generally they've done a good job on the IRS hearings. I'm actually getting, uh, I think it might be time for a little bit of a, you know, in pray, two, two cheers for the House Republicans. <laughs> Well, two cheers for you, Bill Crystal. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast brought to you by the Weekly Standard Cruise. October 9th through 20th, cruise the Mediterranean with your Weekly Standard favorites. For all the details, visit TWSCruise.com. That's TWSCruise.com.